And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric Flaherty. Is on the air now. Welcome back. Seven fifty-five is real and it is live. I'm David O'Brien, Braze writer for the Athletic. I'm with my co-host Eric O'Flaherty, former Cy Young runner-up. What's up, Eric? What's up, Dave? What year did you do that? Were you the side runner up? No, that didn't happen. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were. Man. <laughs> the year you got it sub one year, you didn't get a runner up. I think That's I got they runner they up for like seventh inning best left handed setup <laughs> reliever. Uh, don't undersell what you did that year, man. It was historic. <laughs> no, it was good. It was good, but I don't think I was in the Cy Young conversation. Yeah, they you got to throw innings for that or have like 60 saves and a zero you know, ERA. You know what's funny though? If they, if you did that now, you'd probably make the All Star team. Yeah, they're I, I taking think relievers that, now that aren't closers. They're taking yeah. over relievers. Well, I think the problem was we had Johnny and Craig in front of me. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah, true. that kind of that hurt my odds. But they didn't take any any relievers back then if you weren't closers. No, or you, Johnny was the only one I remember making it. it was, or Mike Adams, right. I think, made it once. But you had to be like the best yeah. setup man in the entire league to have a yep. shot. When Johnny made it, it was like real news that a non-closer had made it. Yeah, because the whole league was talking about him. Right. A little different now. The whole roles are all treated a little differently now. Speaking of, one thing that has to be adjusted in this age where we're not going to have hardly anybody pitch 200 innings anymore, much less what they used to do. With You know, the Braves had years where they had everybody pitch 235 to 255 innings. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the big three routinely, you know. Um but in this day and age where 180 is the new 220, you know, and, and really guys are be thrilled with 180 innings, they got to drop that uh, qualifying standard for, f- to qualify for like league leaders and stuff with pitching and shit with hitters. Oh, is the innings the same? It's the same. And it's ridiculous because Ian Anderson, I'm looking at his things the other day going, Oh, but his stuff's getting bad. I bet he's like among the lowest in the league. And oh, I'm looking at he didn't have the innings to qualify. And which he's is made ridiculous. every start. He's made every start and gone about, you know, five innings. And that's just not quite enough if you don't pitch a one inning per team game. And he had like 93 innings for 95 team games, which is just stupid. I mean, yeah. in other words, you could finish the year with 160 innings and not qualify. You could lead the league in ERA, but if you had 160 innings, you would not qualify. Wow. Yeah, one inning per team game, which is that's the old that was fine in the old days. Yeah, where 160 innings is not many for a starter, you know, for a good season. No, that'd be like the cutoff to just prove you were healthy the whole year. Exactly. Like now, made every start, you definitely got 160. Yeah, it's just totally different now. So they got to adjust that. Got on to point eight or whatever. Um, anyway, I was just thinking about that the other day. The rule because the rules have all changed, obviously, and pitching is just treated differently. Starters yeah. are expected to go six, seven innings, much less eight or nine. And uh, 
even like an ace like Max Fried. He goes six last night, you know? It was yeah. a grind. He threw yeah. 100 pitches. But it's like if they get through six and they've thrown 98, 100 pitches, hardly any managers even sending the guys back out there for a seventh inning. Yeah, it's weird. It's it, it's all the third, you know, the third time through the order mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, you see starters yeah. all the time get pulled at ninety one, you know, ninety ninety two pitches yeah. going into the seventh, and they just get yanked. That's just the way. I mean, that you're right. You're hundred percent right about that. They'd have to change that qualifier because Ian Anderson should qualify for starting pitching stats. Absolutely, good or bad, he should qualify. Yeah, good or bad. But there's going to be some guys that don't qualify that are good. Yeah, you know. Just I mean, like Tampa Bay starters, for instance, they couldn't qualify for it. They might not have any except the <laughs> All Star, right? So, um, anyway, man, you know, I guess it says a lot about where the Braves are when they're going to lose two straight games, and really, it, it kind of feels that like the wheels coming off the wagon. I know I'm exaggerating, but there's that feeling among the populace. It seems like you know you on social media that it's just so negative or so much worry when they lose two games. I mean, that's how far they've come Yeah, that literally they lose two straight games and it's like, Oh man, Oh, we got this, we got that. We got to do something here. This is shit. This is that, oh. you know, there's so much worry and concern. And it's the first time they've lost consecutive games since going back to June. It's 17th, 18th. I think it was at Wrigley field. They had not oh. lost consecutive games since then. And they lost off of, you know, a bad bounce and a guy that normally puts it down yeah. had, a, had his off night. You know, that's what it took. As Snit said, as a lot of all the guys that we talked to last night said, weird game. On both oh, they sides. They got so many cheap hits. On both sides. Because the yeah. Phillies could easily said the Braves should never have scored those three <laughs> runs that inning. Yeah. Camargo makes it was it was not a good throw, but it should have been caught. Hoskins' feet were so messed up the way he was the way he sat up. I don't up know where he down. was expecting that throw. Right. Or he was expecting on the other side. Yeah. But he, he shouldn't do switch. that. I mean, he couldn't even stretch for it. It was like he he just he he started stretching before the before he could even read the throw. Exactly. He had the one foot all the way out stretched. So he was not going to be able to adjust at all. Yeah. Instead of striding to where the throw was going. Yep. Yeah, it wasn't was a terrible throw. And then it's an error on Camargo. <laughs> yeah, you got to give him the error though. You know, yeah. that's just the way they do it. And so yeah. he gets an error. And he get they get three runs because then they scored another in a wild pitch. That would have been third out of the inning. Yeah. Same thing happens to the Braves. The squirreliest two-run double you will ever see in your life, man, on a on a routine high hop yeah. to first base that took the strangest bounce I've ever seen. I would have sworn it hit a rock. It, it had to hit something. Like I don't it think did. it did. I think it there straight could have been that spin. Much spin on it. I don't know. Maybe it did. Maybe it was the combination of really high spin and a really small, hard piece of something. But you didn't see Matt. Maybe he was just too stunned to go down and look. But you didn't see him go down and look to see, like, what the hell, man? Well, you don't get that in the big leagues. You know, you might get right. that on a little league right. field. <laughs> right. A rock. Yeah. It's it's really funny because I'll go mess around, you know, at the high school field and take shortstop with, you know, take some ground balls at shortstop with the kids and stuff. And the hops they get. Yeah. It's it's scary for me. I used to stand at shortstop or third base in big league BP, and you know what you're getting every time. Yeah. Like a bad hop absolutely shocks you. Yeah. But that's why those, you know, those Latin shortstops are so good. Cause you think about yeah. the fields they grow up playing on. Yeah. They practice Rocks. ready for anything. But when a bounce like that happens in the big leagues, yeah, you can't help but just I mean be shocked by it. Cause it that ball to to Olsen, that bounces up right into his chest where he's standing. 
Yeah. 999 times out of a thousand. And the one time it doesn't, it's just a little lower or a little higher. And he just has to kind of adjust. It never bounces sideways. Never, never. I mean, it could have had a lot of top spin on it. And as long as he was down, he was going to get it. Yep. But no one could have predicted that. Every time. Yeah. No one could have predicted. It was crazy, man. But you're right. No rocks just don't appear on a major league field. The only thing that could have even done, it would have been a hard piece of dirt. But even that doesn't appear because they go out and they, they groom the field, you know. I mean, it could have been a piece of clay from the mound with Max yeah. covering first every, right, every ball. Right. Or off one of them's cleats or something, man. Something I don't know. It was from weird. The box, though. But yeah, just weird something play. you never see. I mean, you see those, you see those kind of crazy hops when a hitter hits one off the end cap. Yeah. And it's kind of got the side spin and it'll throw a third baseman off off a lefty or a first baseman off from a righty because it's got so much spin on it that it but they're anticipating that. Yep. On just a rollover chopper. Yeah, the spin is is top to bottom. I mean, it's just top spin, so you're never expecting it to go any any way sideways. Yeah, that's the thing is it was like you said, it was a straight chopper. It was really yeah. high, but it wasn't going sideways. Just a stupid play. I mean, just so a bad, just crazy, just, just bad luck, and that's why it's a double because you can't give a guy an error for that. You can't give him an error. I mean, couldn't reach give it. Him an error. There's nothing he could have done. I know everybody, uh, not everybody, a few people immediately said that he should have came in and caught it on the hop. Okay, well. But yeah, but short not, hop's a way harder play than exactly. I mean, you're setting yourself up for the best hop. Are they saying he should have caught it in the air? You know what I'm saying? Kept but, charging. But in that case, if he'd have come charging, he there's not he's not certain that he's going to get the runner because he might run past the runner. Yeah. In other words, where he was, he knew it was time. He knew his time. He was timed perfectly that he was going to get the runner. As long as he got the ball, he was going to have plenty of time to step on base and get the runner. But if he comes running yeah. in to catch it on the fly. And the runner goes a little bit outside. All of a sudden, he's got one of those reaches, you know. So, I, I ain't going to fault him for doing that. No, I mean, there's he's not going to be out there doing early work today on how to read those no, hops. On how I mean, to read that. <laughs> Absolutely. Because he'll never see that hop again in his, in his career no. as long as he plays. No, not until he's I've, playing I've literally never, I've literally never seen that hop in my life. Nope. To go like that. Anyway, it was that kind of game. Uh, you had a lot of stuff like that. You know, those were the two key ones. But uh, – it was just a lot of weird stuff happening in that game. Um, you know, one that got completely overshadowed, a play that got completely overshadowed by all the weirdness was Michael Harris second cuts off that ball in the right center gap. He sprints over, and, I mean, dirt was flying. His cleats were going. It's on the edge of the grass and dirt, and he slides and perfectly catches that ball, gets up, throws it in. Saves a run right there because they end up with runners in second and third. And if that gets past him, goes to the wall, just another five feet to the wall, easily scores one run. And if it takes a weird bounce, they can score two runs there. Yep. I mean, that kid, he's on the ball, man. He's Always special. hustling. The thing that impressed me most about him is he's two for two off of Alvarez. Yeah. 100 mile an hour sinkers, lefty, lefty. I, mean, I made a living throwing lefty, lefty sinkers inside at 91. He's, yeah. And lefties, like nine out of ten lefties, you can just live there with that pitch and their bat path doesn't match up. He's able to go two for two off a dude throwing it at 100 miles an hour. Yeah. He's he's legit. His ability to make adjustments has been so impressive through yeah. this whole thing. Yeah, just adjustments all the time. Um, you know, speaking of lefties, man, a lot was uh, – people were down Sunday when the Braves didn't do much at all. Um against the angels in that when they had a chance to sweep, you know, it, the guy we forget to do a new hit, no hitter was yeah. Reed Detmers. I got through a no hitter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you know, you look at him, you're like Reed Detmers. They just shut us down. Reed Detmers threw a no hitter, man. 
to me. I know hitter's just a good game now. They happen so much. It's like you've you know yeah, no not hitter one used person, be, no hitters aren't. Right, that's true. But even even back, I mean, Chris Bosio or somebody throws a no hitter. Yeah. You're talking about it three years later, and in, in today's game, you could forget about it in a month. Oh, or two. absolutely, and that's a perfect example. I'd forgotten he threw a no hitter. <laughs> I have the poster on my wall. That's why I remember. <laughs> I don't think I don't think Detmer's getting a getting a poster for his. So, I don't know. Um, I th- I think uh, obviously the biggest news of the weekend was Adam Duvall's injury. So unfortunate, uh, you know, for all the reasons that have been cited by players and snit uh he's just such a good dude but um and he's gonna be missed in the clubhouse he's one of those guys that the club that chemistry that we always talk about they have this they've had this incredible chemistry he's a big part of that you know he's not a guy he's not a raw rock guy he's another one of those guys that comes in steady plays every day great attitude upbeat nice guy cares about his teammates always talking to other te- to teammates you know personal on a personal level so that's gonna be missed huge but beyond that, just the power that he had, because yeah. even when he's not hitting well at any given time, he can hit, he'll hit one out of the park. And we saw that last year, again and Colorado again. Colorado this year when he was yep. taking a lot of crap and yep. basically hit a game winning homer or a homer to put the game away. Yeah. So um, if you look at just on the surface at his, at his overall stats, you'd think, okay, it's not going to be impossible to replace that guy, but you got to go beyond that and what he had done because he had really started to hit like himself uh, in the last couple of weeks. Um, I got this uh, – I put the numbers in the last 14 games. He, okay, so he's hitting 213 with 12 homers and a 677 OPS in 86 games. Okay, that's below average. Not good. But in his last 14 games, he did 308, four homers, 1101 OPS. And it was not looking fluky. It was looking like, okay, it's back to being, you know, what he, at the end of the year, I have no doubts his numbers would have ended up being similar to what they have been. He would have ended up with 25 to 30 homers, you know, a lot of RBIs. He's an RBI machine. And so that's hard. That's, you miss that because, you know, he was platooning with Rosario since Rosario go back from the IL. And you take Duvall out of that. Rosario's not hitting well, period. But he right. was, you know, at least starting to show a little bit. But if you you can't play Lazar, uh, you can't play Rosario against lefties, man, and expect them to do much right now. So Stitt's in a tough spot, and that's why I think it's obviously. I mean, and Alex knows this shit better than we do. That's why I think Alex that goes to the top of the priority list for the trade deadline. Getting an outfielder either to platoon, you know, or 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 more of an everyday guy, and you have and then you find spots for Rosario. But something something like that. Um, I know a lot of people said Ben Attendee, which. That's fine if you're going to play him every day, but I mean, he's a left-handed, just like Rosario. So if you're not going to get him to platoon, and 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 you you remember Rosario signed a two-year deal, so unless you can kind of give up on Rosario this year, unless there's another injury, and you plug him in there, but you really you don't at least have get it. somebody to to do what they were doing, you know, yeah. just match him up right. Yeah, get us get a righty hitter or a switch hitter, and then uh, then you can still you know have time because I you know Snit really feels like Rosario just needs to get more reps and he can get going. But as he said, that's a lot easier to do if it was April. They can't yeah. really afford to run him out there right now and hope that he gets going by playing him every day. So yeah. that's why you saw Ozuna out there yesterday in left field, as bad as his defense is. He wanted to get him and Contreras in the lineup together against, you know, that pitcher last night, uh, uh, Ranger Suarez. And it worked because Ozuna had three hits, a couple off him, and uh, Contreras had the, they had the back-to-back singles in that inning but, uh, before the throwing there when they got the three runs. 
they started it with back-to-back two-out singles. So his hunch worked out last night. And, um, you know, that just says where they are in left field now when when all of a sudden Ozuna had not played out there in a month or, you know, since uh, – yeah. and, and he's out there. So didn't cost him last night, but it certainly can at any given time. I just looked up um, – because I remember when Duvall started swinging it better for me was that series in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Since June 2nd, he's got a 900 OPS. Yeah. 10 homers. I mean, hitting 250, but. Yeah, that, that's fine for yeah, him. Yeah, with, with 900 OPS, that's fine. I didn't realize he had 900 OPS that long. Yeah, no, he's, I mean. That's legit. He right starts there. swinging it, man. I mean, that's it's all crazy because if you remember him in Cincinnati, he had a great season and then he had a season where. Yep. He hit like he did, you know, early on in the year, and then he never cleaned it up. Like he never, never got it going. But for me, he was starting to get it going this year to where you could have looked at his numbers at the end of the year and maybe he hits 240. You know, I mean, I don't think he's getting his average up to 280 right. after starting so slow, but you could look at his numbers at the end of the season and be like, it's not a bad year for him. No. Yeah. And as then long he gets the OPS, hurt. As long as his OPS is at 900, shit, yeah. they'll take that anytime. He can get yeah. 230 with like OPS 900, <laughs> yeah. you know, because he's such a threat. Mm-hmm. And they got so many other guys that could hit that yeah he gives you so much in the bottom half of the lineup eric let's hear from today's sponsors looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service anytime sounds like a real game changer if you ask us make the right call and get the service you deserve with discover limitations apply see terms at discover.com slash credit card looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So that's an, to me, that's that's probably priority number one now. I had thought priority number one was getting a bullpen arm. And last night when Mentor gives up that three-run jack to that rookie left-handed hidden shortstop, Stott, was a reminder, I think, and we've talked about this off camera, of why I think they got to go out and get another, they got to go out and get another uh, kind of a uh, a stopper type guy for the back who can who with who can close, but but most importantly can set up at least high leverage innings because yeah. they've they've rode Mentor hard and he responded, but I think we're seeing a little bit of that. Why you know you can't just you can't just go from pitching fifty uh, appearances a year to pitching ninety. Right, and he probably what he have. I I gotta look it up, but I think he was in the sixties last year plus the postseason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and and the pace he's on this year, he's probably on pace for over seventy games. Leading, yep. the, what was he first or second tied in the for, league? Tied for second in the majors in appearances right now with forty five, and the leaders got forty six. So, and like you said, don't people shouldn't dismiss that he had a heavy workload in the uh, pro in the uh, postseason. Him and Matzik were their their go to guys. Yeah, and Will Smith closing obviously, but I mean Matzik and Mentor pitched like seem like every every day in huge situations. Yeah, and I mean he's been November. having to. You had you had Matzik get hurt this year. Kenley's been yeah. hurt, so he's had to step up and throw even you know yeah. more high leverage innings. Yeah, he had five saves. He was closing there for while Kenley was on the DL. And it's it's one of those things where it's like 
in snitch shoes, he's damned if he does and damned if he doesn't. Absolutely. Because you got to go with your best guy in these games that they're trying to win. The Braves play a lot of close games. They come back so much. I mean, there hasn't been – I'm sure they've tried to rest him, but there's just been situations where it's like, shit, you got to go two in a row. You got to go three in a row because we need you, and then we're going to try to get you this break. And you, there's there's days there's a reliever where you're like you, – you get told you're emergency only. Yeah. But guess what happens on those days? Yeah. Ex- extra innings. It's somebody, your, your closer actually happens to struggle that day. That Just random stuff happens where you have to wind up using guys on days you don't want to. So a lot of times I think that when, when Snick gets questioned, you know, why didn't you pitch men or here? You're starting to see the answer. And when you see a guy like Stott or, or a lefty, you know, a bottom of the order lefty, somebody without a ton of power take men or deep, that's probably your mm-hmm. biggest indicator that he's starting to get tired. Like that slider he threw yesterday or cutter, yeah, that's a tired arm cutter. Like that's that's pulling yeah. off it, not being able to finish it, not being able to get it to the spot, and it just spins inside. And probably the only pitch that guy could have hit off him, and a full count. You know, so the yeah. fatigue is showing. You know, he's just just, and it's so slight. You know, he might not even really feel you like don't feel it. He's sore or anything, but he's just not throwing with that same crispness that he was early on when he was just dominant. You know, because he came in this year with a whole new approach. Well, it started last season when he came back from AAA, which was don't walk any guys anymore because that's what killed him. That's what got him sent to AAA. Came back, I'm going to use my stuff, trust my stuff, let guys put it in play. And it's worked to perfection. I mean, he's thrown hard, thrown strikes, not nibbled around, thrown strikes. Well, the guy starts to get a little bit tired and you're throwing strikes still, but they're not quite the same strikes, you know? And boom. I hit the same button. It just did something different. (laughs) Yeah. It It just stayed inside and didn't break. It's just not the same nasty level of pitches he had. He had, I mean, don't forget this dude, man, was throwing through through June 15th, his first 29 appearances. Mentor was ridiculous. He had an 098 ERA, a 107 FIP. He had um this guy, I mean, he was arguably the best left-hander in the majors at that point. I mean, you are you could say and and top five reliever, no doubt. Since then, June 17th to July 25th last night, 16 appearances. He went from an 098 ERA in those first 29, 527 ERA in his last 15 appearances or 16 appearances with a uh, 296 batting average, opponents batting average, 350 opponents OBP, 794 opponents OPS, which compared to the first ones is night and day, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think more than anything, I mean, when I, when I saw that pitch last night, it kind of just clicked in my head, like that's a tired pitch. And yeah. I thought, let me check, you know, where he's at in appearance leaders and, and what his workload's like. Cause you know, I mean, that's not where you're aiming ever. If you're him, he's not trying to front door him there. Yeah. You're three, two, you, his, his, his cutter doesn't move enough to get the punch out looking. So yeah. you're trying to throw that down in a way you've sped him up with the fastball and try to get him to roll over it. And I'm sure that's where he aimed and it just didn't go there. And it's like, when you're tired, you don't feel it. I remember this, my rookie year, my first full season, I had like a, like seven and oh, with like a two, one ERA at the break. And I remember Norm Charlton seeing me long toss and he's like, Hey, you know, you need to, you need to start resting your arm. I was like, Norm, I feel great. Like, why am I going to rest it? He's like, you need to rest it. And I was like, I feel good. You know, this makes me feel good every day. And he just kind of said, okay, like yeah. check back in September. I finished the year with a four and a half. <laughs> and I, and my role just kept getting, like, I just kept, 
yeah. I kept struggling. I had a lot of games where I'd walk people and, and all it was was my arm was tired and I didn't know how to pace my arm through the season. But even then, when you when Minner's got enough time, he knows how to do that now. Right. But there's right. nothing you can do to pace yourself when you have to get fully hot, you know, five times a week. You know, there might be a game he doesn't pitch and then he goes mm-hmm. back to back and then you get your rest day and then you pitch the next day and then you're emergency only. And you have to warm up. So maybe you don't pitch and you're available the day after that, but you look back on the week and you're like, shit, I got hot six days this week. Yeah. You know, nobody, nobody does that no matter what your routine is and your arm stays fresh. And this is when he got sent down last year. This is the time when he went out of triple A and got a reset and just came back. So, I mean, right now it's not really showing up in strikeouts. He's still getting those, you know, at almost the same rate. It's showing up in the hits. Yeah. He was not giving up more than one hit. I'm going back and looking at it. In those first 29 appearances, he only had two, three, three games where he gave up more than one hit in an inning or in an appearance. Three games in 29 appearances. Since then, he's had games where he gave up two, 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 and last night's three. That's yeah. totally the difference. All the hits that he's allowing. Yeah, and that's a stuff thing, <laughs> you know. I mean, or location, but mm-hmm. it's a combination of you know the ball not going where you want it to and the ball not moving as sharp. I mean, you can come, you can become mediocre with fatigue really fast in this league. I mean, it's it, you're always on just such thin ice. And and also the the uh, number of pitches, man. The number of pitches, it's crazy when you look at the number of pitches because he was so efficient in those first when he was dominant. He was throwing under 20 every time, but usually under, uh, there was a whole lot of 11s, 12s in there, you know, innings. Yep. So he, he was so efficient. He was getting guys to put it in play early in counts. And now if you look at the number of pitches, so it would explain why, you know, the fatigue spot because he's throwing now 20 pitches in, in, in almost every appearance. Well, and that's I mean, guys being able to foul pitches off. Yeah. You know, it's, it's guys being able to battle against yes. them and, and, and the stuff not overwhelming them. And, you yes. know, most people most people want to look to velocity for, you know, when your arm's tired, you can still almost, if you're, if you're really good with your legs like AJ is, you can right. still generate that velocity. But the, the life on the ball, even though it's the same speed, I mean, when we've talked about what's the difference between Strider's 99 and somebody else's 99. Yeah. Well, what's the difference between AJ's 96 and AJ's 96? Yeah. You know, when you when you're feeling good, it it's like that ball has that jump and that late life to it and you're throwing the same pitches and you're like, "Ah, I'm so good." Cuz you just do the shit and you get a ground ball. And then you get tired and you do the same thing, you hit the same button and it's like, "Why is that one torched in the gap?" And it's yeah. it's hard to see or feel or be aware of these little differences that, you know, if if a hitter is off by half an inch or a centimeter, it's yeah. different in a ground ball and a line drive. So as you start getting fatigued, you don't really see it, and people can't see it watching, but the results will tell you. Those those first 29 appearances, he had four appearances where he threw 20 or more pitches, four, and none in the last 12 games in that stretch. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, six, 12 games. Okay, since then, in, in just uh, in the 19 or 15 appearances since then. He's had appearances with 22, 26, uh, 19, 20, 25, 20, 21, and 20 again last night. Yeah. I mean, it's just a case. It, the difference is pretty startling. I remember 2000. It must have been 2000. You remember Soriano, Rafael yep. Soriano. Yeah. He, he went to the training room and he said his arm hurt. 
you know, it wasn't feeling right. Something was off. And they told him, well, you're still throwing 96. You got to be yeah. fine. He said, I throw 96 because I throw 96, not because it feels good. You know, <laughs> like, and that, that's kind of to my point is you can still kind of generate the stuff that looks right on TV. But when you start getting hit like this and having to battle and throwing 20 pitches to get through an inning where early in the season, he'd have, he was having like seven pitch innings sometimes early in the season. Yeah. Because he just pound the zone and his yeah. stuff overwhelmed the hitters and they couldn't square it up. You start losing that life on the ball and all of a sudden it's like your, your good pitch is a foul ball. And then you finally make a mistake and what happened last night happens. Um, what's the deal with Dean Anderson, dude? What's going to happen, do you think? Because I'm I'm at a I'm at a loss for this one. I really didn't expect this. Uh, I thought that by now I thought he would really had kind of uh, found his groove and uh, fixed some things, but it's not happening. I wish I had the technology at my house to, you know, watch him side by side with years past. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm sure Kranitz is just racking his brain trying to solve this problem. Um, but looking at him, I you know I liked the other day when he started mixing his breaking ball in more. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think everybody's it, – it may not even be that, they, you know, they've seen his stuff now, but everybody knows the plan. Right. Everybody knows, you know, if it's down, just don't swing. Because right. they'll chase the change up. You know, if it's up, make him throw a strike up. You know, I think guys are just really keying in and figuring out how to beat him, even with his stuff. And, he you know, he mixed in some curveballs the other day and he got some bad swings and some takes. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's so hard. It, I don't have an answer for him. I mean, I've watched him and I'm just thinking like, fuck, why? I, I ask a lot when I watch him pitch, why didn't they swing at that? Yeah. Like a, a quality changeup down and into a righty, you know, off a fastball. And they just take it like they know it's coming. Yeah. And I always go through the same, you know, kind of process with myself is one, are you tipping? You know, you got to cross that off when guys are taking pitches like that. Two, what's different in my mechanics? And I, am I losing deception? Am I losing life on the ball? Obviously, you check your velocities and your spins and all that stuff. But and then it comes down to just am I competing? Am I pissed off? You know, like you got to go out there, just be yeah. sick of the shit. And he's got to get sick of the shit. And I mean, sometimes you just go out and you just throw it as hard as you can. And it works for whatever reason, because you're just mad. Sometimes that backfires on you. But when I watch him pitch, I don't, you know, just watching on TV without being able to compare it side to side. I don't see drastic difference in really anything he's doing. Is he one of those guys that I know this is probably uh, there's really no cut and dry answer on this, but is he, it seems like he's one of those guys that when he came up, all they talked about that was the difference in his delivery, how different it was that iron Mike pitching machine delivery straight yeah. over the top that no hitter saw from anybody else. So, so it's totally different than the seeing. And so that helps him obviously when pitchers, when hitters just aren't used to, to the arm slot, Josh Cole mentor effect. Right. So, but when you do that for, you know, three years now, you do it in a postseason, everybody sees it. There's tons of video of it now. Guys are going to watch video if they, they fake, and a lot of guys have faced him, you know, 10, 15, 20 times now. Can that have a less of effect as you go on when guys are seeing it a lot more, know it's coming, have adjusted to it? When you're, maybe, well, you're, doing, maybe you're doing the same thing. I mean, guys, I was thinking that until the Angels got him. Because there's no way, you know, most of those guys had seen him. Yeah, except video, obviously. Lots of it. But yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, with a guy like him, when it's it, – like Josh Colmenter is a guy I always bring up for that. Josh yeah. Colmenter was throwing 86 and getting yeah. big leaguers out for years Yeah, because it was so awkward. And I thought that – that was kind of my, my thought on Ian is like, you know, his funkiness isn't going to slump. 
And and that's kind of why I struggled with it because I was watching the Angels. You know, I'm thinking most of these guys probably haven't seen him. He goes three innings and gives up seven runs. Yeah. Yeah, he had he had eight hits, seven runs, three walks, three innings, came out for the fourth, gave up a walk and a single to start the fourth, and that was it. Boom, lifted, which is the last thing in the world Snit wants to do right now at this point of the season is lift one of his experienced starters after three innings. So it was had to be pretty bad for Snit to do that. They thought, you know, the game at that point, the game was getting out of hand, and those last couple of runs were uh, scored off of them after the reliever came in. But uh, it, they were down five at that point. And, you know, Smith thinks, okay, this is a still winnable game if we get him out now. Yep. But then shut it down. But, uh, you know, trying to win every game, man. Yeah. I, th- that's kind of, that's why I'm scratching my head because that was, that was my gut. You know, my instinct was telling me, you, you kind of, I'm not going to call it a gimmick, but you got this this thing that, that you do that nobody else does that right. hitters can't practice. Right. You know, you, I mean, you can't set a machine up to throw like right. Ian Anderson. Unless you can do it's this. an Iron Mike pitching machine. <laughs> you're right. I mean, maybe maybe teams are busting those out. You never know. But, I mean, I, I, that was my thought up until the Angels hit them because, you know, you don't play the Hale West. They, you play right. Seattle every three to six years. You play L.A. every three to six years, and it's one here or one there. But I was just thinking that, you know. I mean, Goose like, Goslin. Let's blame it on Goose Goslin. He's with the Angels the, again now. Gave, gave, well, sometimes, gave, though, sometimes, you know, a guy that's played with you and watches you has a tip. Especially a smart guy like Goose yeah. Goslin. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't – I wish I had – twice now. I wish I had the answers for it, but, I mean, he's got uh, a lot of good people working with and for him, and they don't have the answers either right now. Smart guy, too, man. I mean, who yeah. wants to win bad and everything. Um, I don't know. I, I – I, Sometimes it's dangerous to judge a guy's personality based on your interactions with him because a lot of guys are the, can be the sweetest guy in the world talking Change to you yeah. and then be nasty out there. But if yeah. I had to judge Ian just on my my you know uh, interviews with him and just uh, conversations with him, I'd say he's one of the nicest guys in the world that he has yeah. no angry streak. So, yeah. I mean, maybe he needs to get an angry streak. I don't know. But I, that's never been a – competitiveness has never been an issue for him in the past because – you put him in a big game, and he was terrific. Yeah. Starting with the first game he ever pitched. When they bring him up, he pitches against Garrett Cole and outpitches him and the Yankees after being rain delayed for a day, having a day to think yeah. about it. I mean, that's some mental toughness. <laughs> yeah. In it's, postseason, he's been terrific. Granted, like going four or five innings, five innings, but that's battling. pretty standard in the postseason these yeah. days. But he's been terrific in the postseason. Yeah, and, and that's another thing I've noticed is teams are really making him work. You know, I mean, he's not he's not getting a lot of first pitch pop ups or easy right. outs. It's like everybody's yeah, a lot of pitches. I remember that that the A's when I was with them had this had success against Felix, mm-hmm. and Felix had this change up that, and a lot of other teams were still struggling with Felix at the time. A lot of teams he was still really good, and Felix had this change up that if it started at your belt, it was a ball. And they just, I heard him talking about it in the clubhouse. They go, if it's belt or down, don't swing. Right. Only swing, you know, if it's up in the zone. And he was like, they were like the only team Felix was struggling with at that time. But it was because as a team, as a unit, they'd all convince themselves, if it starts belt or lower, we're not swinging no matter what. And there's a few times where Felix kind of caught on and threw a fastball down in the zone and punched him out looking. Yeah. But overall, it was like Felix would get to 3-2, he'd throw that split. And they yeah. just auto take it. And then as a pitcher, you're like, how the fuck did they take yeah. that? You know, everybody else swings at this pitch. It's man, it's weird how you see a team that has that that mojo on a pitcher, on an otherwise great pitcher, 
that yep. you just can't do it against one team. The Braves were like that for quite a while, for several years with Scherzer. Scherzer. But they had handled Scherzer better than anybody else has for for about three years, you know. Before that, he was dominant against them. So, you know, it's a tip like you're talking about, you know, it's that, that a team mindset. And then they get that positive, you know, that that uh, confidence because they've done it before against this guy. So they don't fear him, you know. So there's not that fear factor coming in. So, and then other guys that come in with a five ERA, but against this particular team. Yeah, they just go six shutty every time. Yeah. So it's just weird, man. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, maybe it's that with uh, maybe maybe – People have figured out something with Ian, but it's well, he's really always, I mean, he stays out of the middle of the plate pretty well for the most part. I mean, he makes his mistakes once you make him make his mistake, but I mean, he throws so many pitches that look like strikes that are just edges of the zone. You know, I, yeah. it, when you watch him pitch, you're like, you know, we've, we've said it before. It's like, he's picking and he needs to be more aggressive. He needs to be more aggressive, but that picking at the corners and just staying out of the danger zone and just being on the edges works if teams yeah. are swinging the bat really well. Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. So his 1.58 whip would be second worst in the majors right now. Better than only Patrick Corbin's 170. And Patrick Corbin is only in the majors because the Nats are terrible and he's getting paid. But yeah. Because he's awful this year. Um, and he leads the NL in walks with 48 which is, you know, that just kills Snit. He hates walks. God. Yeah. 531 ERA would be third highest among major league starters if he had a couple more innings to qualify. So, in other words, it's just not been a good year for Ian at all. And my other question, the reason for bringing him up was, is it time for the Braves to, because he's such a hard guy to give up on because if you do, if you sent him down to say AAA to get straightened out, like you did Mentor last year, and he came back and he was a huge piece for the Braves in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Do you do that with Ian now while you have time for him to go down for a month or whatever and give Kyle Muller a chance? Because Kyle Muller has been pitching great in AAA. I know it's AAA, but the problem that he had with the walks, he's totally fixed in the last two months in AAA, and his numbers are terrific. You know, nobody's ever doubted Muller's stuff. Six foot no. seven lefty, throws 100. You know, those upper 90s and guys, a couple of good breaking pitches, that great slider. Um, if Muller's figured something out, he either needs to be here or he's a trade piece because, you know, I mean, you, you could have him do it for the rest of the season like you did, like you did Kyle Wright, because it really helped him when he when he did come back to the majors. But Muller's reminded me a lot of what Wright when he figured out something at AAA. And, uh, you know, he hasn't been the same since then. He's been a terrific 
borderline all-star pitcher since then. She probably should have made it this year. But I don't know. Do you use – do you give Mueller a shot right now? Do you send Ian down to work in AAA and just tell him, look, we're not giving up on you at all, but you got to get something – got to figure something out with you. Well, and, so much of it's watching the guy around the clubhouse too. You right. know, I mean, if he's moping around, head yeah, down, he's not looks doing defeated. That. He's not doing that. Ian's never struggled in the big leagues, at least. I mean, he's come up and succeeded, you know, and, and he's been great for you for two seasons and then helped you in the playoffs win a World Series. It's really exactly. hard. To, it's so hard to send a guy like that down. And and for me, it's one of those things where he's earned this, uh, like he's earned this right to struggle, but it's for how long? Yeah, you know, exactly. and are, That's are it, we, for how long? For how long? And are we making progress or is it the same thing over? Like, are we, are we there? Like, you got to watch as, as pitching coach manager, is he close you know, was it one bad inning or is it the same thing every time out? When it's if it feels like the same thing every time out, first innings are killing him too. Yeah, and it, it's if you're not overwhelming the hitters, if they're on everything, and you skate through the first three innings with line drives in the gap that get run down by you know your all star outfielders, and you're watching the games, and and it's or is it bad luck? If it's bad luck, bad luck, bad luck, and then a big inning, you know, I mean, you have to kind of watch the games. For me, he's getting close to that point where. Mm-hmm. You're kind of like I don't. We got to win games, right. and there's been a, there's been quite a few starts that you know you're down four or five runs early in the game, and you got to know his personality. Yeah. You got to know can he handle going down, and I guarantee you he can. I yeah. guarantee you he's not going down to AAA and moping about what a poor guy. Yeah. You know, woe is me, and yeah. I shouldn't be in AAA. Look at my numbers I put up in the past. I guarantee you just from watching his interviews and stuff you've said about him, he can be rational about this and be right. like, well, I'm sucking right now. I, I got to change things. And sometimes, you know, it's just going to an easier league is all you need to build back your confidence. I think, I, I think he would handle it. I think it would be more a positive than anything like it was with mentor mentor was like, yeah, I was pissed off that I got sent down, but you know what? Yeah. It was the best thing that could have happened to me. Cause I went down and decided I need to trust my stuff. Don't walk anybody anymore and let guys put it in play. You know, yeah. and, and Ian needs to go down and, and and make whatever adjustment he needs to make. And, and you know, because right now, I think you're at the danger more of him losing confidence by getting his head pounded every time he goes out, you know, then. And the thing is, you're locked in a pennant race with a Mets team that we've talked about is not going to fold like they have yeah. in the past. So every time they've gotten close, they got within a half game Saturday, you know. Now they're two games back and they got five games coming up against the Mets in four days. Um you might need to start Mueller in one of those games anyway, regardless of uh, of what, what happens, because you've got a doubleheader. So you're going to have to have another somebody else start unless you use an opener. Uh, but I just don't know that you can keep running Ian out there if it's, uh, you know, even the games, even though it's one loss record, it's not bad. It's because they were scoring a ton of runs for yeah. him. He's not pitched well at all. And and I, you can't keep obviously counting on them to score six, seven runs for you every time you pitch. And I don't know that you can run him out there every five days when, when every game is so important now in this pennant race down the stretch, you know, every game, the rest of the way, you know, you only got yeah. about 60 left or yeah. 63 or whatever it is. Um, so I don't know, but I think we're at that point with Mueller where he's either probably going to be a trade piece because he's one of the few guys they have in the system that other teams really, you know, the other teams want young pitching like they always yeah. do. Well, they drool over a guy like Mueller. And he's one of the few guys they've got with big time stuff that's close, ready for the majors. Barely any uh, service time. Right, right. Uh, hard worker, all that stuff. So, might be to that point where you got to either use him or trade him and get something that you can use. You know, get that bullpen piece or get that left field uh, bat. So, 
But it's going to be interesting. Mueller, though, in his last eight starts at Gwinnett, 225 ERA, 0.88 whip, 202 opponents average, 61 strikeouts with nine walks in 52 innings. Seven quality starts out of those eight, including a seven-inning complete game and a doubleheader. That's solid. That's solid. You, you want to see it up in the, you know, I mean, I think that's those are numbers that have earned you the the chance, you know, and if, if the opportunity presents itself, then yeah, and an his, opportunity might be presenting itself. His last start was September 14th because they had an all-star break too there. So he either goes, I think, tonight or tomorrow, or it's a sign that obviously if, if they, if they, if they uh, scratch him from that, then they got a sign there. But uh, that's going to be something to watch. They've got, uh, just to wrap it up, they've got the Braves really, if you look at trade pieces, you're talking trade pieces because, um, like, every, everybody – it's contenders uh, want to add yeah, same shit. open arms, right? <laughs> yeah. Usually. And then a couple of them need a bat. Like the Braves need both those things. Teams out of it that have those pieces want to add young pitching, like good young pitching, you know, yeah. or if you're talking about major, major pieces, like, you know, Soto and Tawny. Yeah. And they're not trading Otani. I just hate But if you are, you're talking about not just multiple prospects, but you're talking about, major league young talent because you're not going to trade Soto or especially Otani without getting a couple of major league players, not yeah. just prospects. So uh, anybody that really thinks the Braves are e even involved in that, forget it. That ain't happening. They're not going to, you know, you're not going to uh, get rid of like the type of young players that they would want. The guys it's going to take are not right. the guys you, those are the guys Harrison Acuna that you're not giving up that are or Harrison Strider, you know, right. Those are the type of guys yeah. that got you here. It wouldn't, it wouldn't make any sense to add the, even if, even if Soto is the greatest hitter in the game right now, overall hitter, who knows? It may be, he probably is, but it wouldn't <laughs> make much sense to get rid of him and add, and, and, or to add him and get rid of a guy like Harris, who's your center fielder for the next decade, who might be, you know, just as good. That. Yeah. <laughs> just you know? as valuable. Maybe and when you the add hitter, the defense but... might be better. Yeah. yeah. You know, I know that's people going to say I'm better than Soto. Hey, let's wait, but let's look at the war in a couple of years when Harris is winning gold gloves, and, making you know, league 20, minimum, hitting 25 <laughs> homers with a 300 average yeah, and a 900 OPS. Cause he could do that. I'm not saying he's going to, but he's capable of that and stealing 30 bases. He yeah. stole his 11th base last night. He hasn't been caught once. Yeah, I'm not giving him up for anybody. Nobody. And I'm not giving up Strider, not with that golden arm and that and the way he takes care of himself and that uniqueness that we've talked about with him. There's no way I'm giving up Strider, man. No I, I would way. hate to be a GM because that, that, those are decisions you have to make. You know I mean? Yeah. You have to really trust everybody evaluating players. The one edge you have for me is you know them. You know their personalities. Right. And there's some personalities yep. you can see coming up. Yep. And yep. you're just like, this guy's a turd. Yeah, and it's going to show. Eventually, it's going to come gonna to It's going to come surface. out. You know, it's how's he going to handle failure? How's he going to handle a demotion? How's he going to handle this? How's he going to handle a clubhouse? How's he going to handle getting some? Is he uh, going to shut down? You know, I mean, getting some I security. seen a lot of players that you were just watching, you know, with Acuna-type talent, and you watch them get paid, and it's just – yeah. You know, yeah. you're putting on 30 pounds in the offseason, not giving a damn. And it's like, you can see that when it's in your system. Yeah. You you're, you get to interact with these guys. You're living so. with the guy, as Snit says, you know, yep. every day. Yeah. That's, that's the only edge you have, though. because and, and that's why you got to have great minor league guys, man. Great minor league instructors, rovers, 
minor league field court. They got to all be on the same page because you got those guys are important, man. They're not just guys you shuffle off there when they get older, you know, they're the, the son of somebody or whatever. You got to have guys who trust their opinions because they have, they're the ones seeing those young guys down there on yeah, a daily basis. For me, that's the biggest factor too. You know, I mean, I know you, you can look at all the tools and you can look at all the speed and the power and the stuff these guys have. Yeah. But the yeah, personalities, personality. what's, that's what's going to like keep you in the big leagues and, and, and help you handle the bright lights and handle failure and all these handle money, you know, what entitlement, all these things that, that come into play. You can watch and see guys coming up through the minor leagues, yeah. you know, first rounders that as soon as they fail or something doesn't go their way and they've been babied through the whole system. You can watch these guys, how they react to all the stuff they're going to deal with in the big leagues and get a really good feel for their character. And get yeah, and character. You get a feel for are they going to be an addition to a clubhouse? Yep. Are they going to be a distraction to a clubhouse? Or at the bare minimum, are they just going to be a guy that's over there in you know minding our business, but not being a distraction? But not everybody being, loves that guy. <laughs> yeah, that guy's fine too. Yeah. You just don't want a guy to be a subtraction from the right. clubhouse because then people don't see that; they just see the numbers. Well, the numbers are hollow if the guys have a negative effect. Otherwise, though, you know, and if the numbers aren't being produced in the in the really best situations to help the team and all that. But yeah, those are the, that's what those people that see them in the minor leagues, they have a lot better feel for that. And there's still some guessing, you know, you still yeah. can be snowed and, and, and be misled, but they certainly have a lot better feel for it than other organizations do. And that's yep. why sometimes you see a team trade somebody and guys that know their organization are going, Oh, they're, they're happy. They got rid of that shit. Head. You know, yep. the other team gets it and a couple of years later. They're like, yeah, he's not what we thought we were getting, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah and sometimes it's not even necessarily like a negative trade or something like that, but you can just watch a guy and be like, yeah, you know, when his back's against the wall, right, he struggles, right? Yeah, you know, you can yeah. see those type of things. It's real on a guy you love. The clutch gene and 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 uh, performance anxiety; those things are real, man. Yeah, and, and 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 that's the, that's the good thing about baseball. Other than if, rather than the other sports, is they have people usually have two, three, four years to, to evaluate these guys before they have to do it at the big league level. Yep. Most of the other times, in basketball, you draft a guy, he better be ready. <laughs> oh yeah, the biggest dude in, in the world dunking on everybody in college. It's like, yeah. Do we we got to guess if it's going to work in the NBA? Yeah. You know, you don't get to see him play in in the minor leagues, and right. all of a sudden he goes up against another seven footer and kind of cowers, and he doesn't like it. Right. You know, you just you're just kind of guessing. And and the guys that get a good signing bonus, you get to see them in the minor leagues because they got a lot more money than everybody else. Yeah. How do they treat everybody else? You know? Yeah. How do they yeah. treat do they, do they act like they shouldn't be here? They're entitled, they're just here because they're waiting to get called up. That, that's the worst coming up through the minor leagues when these first rounders or or high bonus guys get all this special treatment. You know, mm-hmm. and you're watching them you're watching them get away with stuff like showing up late or, you know, pimping homers or just anything that you're not supposed to really be doing in the minor leagues. In the minor leagues. Yeah. There's some coach that's, it's driving him crazy, but he can't touch him because right. he's, he's so-and-so the assistant GM's favorite guy that hasn't spent any time with him. Right. You know, I mean, that's, that's just why communication through your whole system is so important. Absolutely. Right? And that's why I, that, man, I love what Alex has done as far as, getting all his guys in place in the minor leagues that he wants. It took him a few years because you don't come in and just clean house. You don't yep. come in and fire everybody because you look like a dick and you look yep. like you just want – you have an ego. So he did it subtly, man. Like, And he would let go of a guy at a, at a, at a, at a time when people are like, well, why did he fire him right now? Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, No, it's a big part of a big plan. You just yep. got to do it slowly, get your guys in there, 
And now look at I mean, look at the results they've gotten drafts from Dana Brown, man. This guy knows yeah. what he's doing. When when they let go of the previous scouting director, people are like, why? He's done a good job. He's a good guy. Well, you see what Dana's doing, man, and the guys he's got working under him. And the same thing with the roving hitting instructors. Look at the guys they're bringing up now ready to hit. Yeah. You know, they didn't used to be like that. So. Yeah, that's that's just why. I mean, for me, I like I said, I'd hate to be a GM and have to make these calls because you could be wrong about a guy's personality too, and he goes off and has a ten-year career. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Know? Absolutely. And the guy you trade for, you don't wind up winning the World Series that year, and he's off into free agency. So yeah, just uh, Mueller. I think the three pieces they've got the pitching because everybody wants pitching, uh, pitching that could help a major league team. Now, I mean, Tucker Davidson, back in the rotation guy, innings eater. Freddie Tarnock, he's a real talent, and he's a, he's potentially a middle rotation starter or better. And then Muller. So those are the three I think they've got that uh, that could really intrigue other teams as far as pitching. Um, and obviously, the position player that everybody would want that uh, that uh, young teams uh, cont- young teams would want uh, is Von Grissom. Yeah, because he's a shortstop. It could be a superstar in the future. But if I'm the Braves. There's no way I'm trading him unless I'm unless I'm trying to dance because unless he has to be signed. If they sign, if they trade Von Grissom at this trade deadline, that's a real good sign that they know they can sign Dansby Swanson or already have some, some type of agreement with. Because yeah. otherwise, you don't trade Von Grissom. And if you're Dansby and they trade him, you're like, hey, it's going to cost another. You know, yeah, if you don't have now. something worked out already. You're right. That's why it would shock me you're if they traded Von Grissom right now. They're yeah. not trading him. No, no, that's not. That's the guy you do not trade. So, but other than that, they don't have a whole lot of position guys that that would interest you know teams that are building for the future. You know, a guy like Brady Shoemaker, a shortstop utility guy. Yeah, there's some young teams that could want him. He, could, he certainly is a possibility as well. But there's there's not a whole lot there to me. Uh, uh, Mueller is the guy though that could really you know if you're a if you're a building team, you could look at him as a potential top half of the rotation guy for the next five years. You know, so. I, I, it's crazy how the value of prospects has changed too. So many teams have gotten burned, but I remember a trade a rumor that came through that the Mariners, you know, supposedly turned down was like me and Ryan Roland Smith and one other like you know good Double A player for Alfonso Soriano. And it was just they were everybody around the league was like, why wouldn't you do that? You know, right? But now if you if you took three pitching prospects and didn't trade them for you know six months or six weeks of a guy or eight yeah. weeks of a dude, it'd be like, oh yeah, you can't give up prospects for that. But back right. in the day, it right. was like, of course you take the sure thing in the big leagues, take any prospect you want. Like right now, prospects are like a golden currency. Gold. Nobody will give up. Right. With the with a. With a- that baseball skewing so young, yeah, and so many young guys playing. You got to have that good mix, man, but you got to have those young guys coming in. Yeah. All right. Well, as we move close to this trade deadline, things could happen at any point. Now, it, with Alex, expect it, expect it when you least expect it. If we've learned anything from Alex Anthopoulos, is he's probably got something big brewing right now. You won't hear anything until it happens. It'll happen with no previous uh, uh, indication. You know, that piss you off? No. Nah. Because it that's just the way he operates. Yeah. It might piss me off if one person was getting this stuff, you know, but that's not happening. <laughs> yeah. So I, I have Bowman a lot of always respect. had the scoop. <laughs> right. I have a lot of respect for him that he does not do that. He does not like give out tidbits to one person. Yeah. That's just the way he operates. He wants it locked down, you know. And most of the teams that he deals with and the agency deals with in free agency respect that too. And that's why you don't even free agencies with him. You don't yeah. even get the tips that you normally get from other agents because they from the player's agent because 
agents respect that about Alex too. He's not going to leak something back. So I'm not going to leak something myself. Yeah. To help out their team, you know, to help out the Braves. People understand that's the way he works. So, so I, so I, if pass is any indication, he'll make a move or two. And it's one that we were not, we're not planning on, but uh, they, they do need to get a bat, the left field, right-handed hitting bat preferably. And they do need to, I think, add to the bullpen. They could also use another, a fifth starter. I mean, if you, especially if you're going to trade Mueller, they could certainly use a fifth starter, uh, you know, back of the rotation, proven innings eater, even if it's just a rental guy. And there's a few guys like that out there too. So that, you know, you know how Alex has done that in the past where if you can't build the bullpen, you can't find the right guys and at least make sure you're getting some guys that are going to go five, six, seven innings every well, time out. That cut down on Miner's appearances. You know I mean? It, right. Like it, it almost fixes another need. It's like it gives you more chance to rest your pen. Yeah. But you got to do one or the other if you don't do both. You know, yeah. you got to either add an innings eater for the rotation and or another big arm for the pen. But I would expect them to add at least one more big arm for the pen. A yeah. right-hander. They're yeah. all right with left-handers, but uh, – all right, that's it. We'll do this again uh, later in the week. Appreciate it, everybody. Thanks for listening. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.